Hi, and welcome to the Inspired Jewish Woman Podcast. I absolutely love and value that you are here with us right now, and I hope you will hear something on today's episode that will touch your heart and soul in a beautiful way. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome back for another installment of the Inspired Jewish Woman podcast. Today, we have my very dear friend, Anat Ishai, coming to us from Thornhill, Toronto. Hi, Anat. So glad to be here. So good to have you on. This podcast segment has been a long time in coming, but for two very busy moms and community people and full-time workers, and even having a half hour conversation on Zoom, it took a village to make this happen. It almost didn't happen. (laughs) It's true, but here we are. And I am so excited to introduce you to my friends, to my community of women. And that is an inspiration to me and to anyone that knows her. Seriously. I'll just share her short bio, but I'm hoping Annette will share a little bit more on top of this. So Annette is a headhunter by day and a blogger by night. She has resided in Toronto, my hometown, for over 30 years, but she's Israeli-born and her heart is in Israel, as is mine. Annette and her husband run a successful search firm for tax professionals, and they're raising their four beautiful children. Annette is also a board member for Momentum Canada, JWRP, a speaker, a community organizer. And while Anat is not blogging, she seeks to change the world one chala, one TikTok, and one dance at a time. So welcome, Anat. And what would you like to add on top of that, just about your life and where you've been and who you are? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's interesting. Growing up, I was born to Russian-Israeli immigrants. My parents hail from Moldova, and my mother came to Israel when she was 14, served in the army, met my father there, who came also when he was in his late teens and also served in the army. So I was born in Israel, grew up with a strong heritage. And when we immigrated to Canada after the first Antifada, the roots that were implanted in me in Israel always stayed. We had a very strong Jewish identity. In fact, I always tell my kids two things were certain growing up for me. The first was I was going to university. Education was a must. And the second was I was going to marry Jewish. But what my parents didn't know when they said I'm going to marry Jewish, that I didn't marry a nice Russian Israeli boy. I actually ended up marrying a nice Sparty boy, which is for another conversation. I'm very, very proud of my roots and I have a lot more to say about it. And just as an observer, because I grew up in Toronto, but I wasn't until probably, I don't know, maybe eight years ago that I met you. Right. And we connected over momentum, right, which is a connecting point for over 20,000 women worldwide. It's pretty big. So we connected over that. And I kind of was like, where have you been my whole life? You've been in Toronto and we didn't cross paths, but I have been watching you over the last decade or so step into a beautiful, meaningful, deep journey you have been on this journey within your Judaism, a journey within your parenting, within your marriage. And it's just an inspiration to be a fly on the wall or a viewer on Instagram or on TikTok (laughs) and watch you flourish and watch you grow and how you bring other people in with you. It's not about your experience only. It's not, you're not, you are using your light that you find to share that with the world and encourage other people to do so. Could you tell us a little bit about your mission statement with your blogging and your influencing in the world? 
let's just talk about the last two years during the pandemic, someone like me who needs connection, needs an opportunity to have an outlet to share, whether it's just meeting my girlfriends for a coffee, which wasn't even possible. There was so much manifesting inside of me and I needed a place to get it out because I'm a creative person. One of the forums I used was to blog and just get my thoughts out on paper, which really resonated and was picked up by the Times of Israel, some of my blogs. And then it leaned into TikTok only because during the time last May, when we had an increase of anti-Semitism because of what was happening in Israel, I saw the barrage of anti-Semitic attacks and anti-Israel attacks. And I just thought, well, listen, TikTok is here to stay. And while there may be a lot of negativity there, maybe I, as a Jew, knowing that I'm a light in this world and our mission is to be a light amongst the nations, maybe I can spread a little bit of light. And so that's where TikTok sort of came into my life. And I use it as an outlet, again, because I'm a creative person for dancing, for showcasing my challah. And then one of my personas in the social media world is I'm known as challah mom, which basically challah became this place where I felt most grounded in my Jewish connection during the pandemic. Every Friday morning, I would make challah and then I would braid it differently. And I noticed I was playing different songs and I was dancing with my challah. And I said, well, what if I showed this to the world that like I can use modern day songs, which I'm listening to and enjoy and connect it with something that we've been doing for thousands of years as Jewish women and making something we enjoy so much, which is the Jewish soul food called challah. And so that became its own thing. I wonder how many challahs you've inspired. (laughs) I mean, women are connected to it and they're like, tell me more. And is it easy? And how do you do it? And you're bringing so much in from other parts of Judaism into your messaging. Right. So they might think that they're coming in to make a challah with you or to dance with you. And all of a sudden they're learning about what it means to be a Jewish woman, which is really the topic that we want to talk about today. Just at the beginning of this conversation, I mentioned that we as Jewish women, you know, we have the opportunity to really be a light, to really manifest for ourselves what it means to become a Jewish woman. Even I, we've always spoken about this, that there's many different connection points in Judaism. There is no shortage of opportunities to connect, right? And mitzvot, as we know them to be, there's 613, just means connection points. So I took that literally in my life. That is just a beautiful, beautiful translation. I've never heard that before. I mean, it makes so much sense because it literally is a line, a connector, a mitzvah, but when someone out there will say, well, what's a mitzvah? You'll probably hear the word like commandments. Maybe right. some people feel like obligation, but you just totally flip that on its head. Connection point. Let that land. That is power. I love yeah. it. As a strong Jewish woman, I sometimes ask myself, like, where does this strength come from? And I really lean back to the person I was named after. My great grandmother on my mother's side, her name was Anna in Mother Russia. And she was the one that connected the whole family. She was the Balabusta. She was the one that just took care of everything. And I can imagine she probably was dancing with Hala before TikToks <laughs> were a thing. But the original TikTok, you know. The original TikTok in Mother Russia. And I just think that the stories, especially the stories that were told in my family about what were the challenges of being Jewish, there was a real threat to be a Jew where my family came from in Moldova. And it wasn't some arbitrary threat. It was a real threat. And so I didn't really grow up with the full history and the full story of my family. There was an unspoken and sometimes very vocal understanding, be Jewish 
Jewish in that, but don't be too Jewish. That was the underlying current. And I couldn't understand what that meant. If you're a Jew, you're a Jew. How you manifest that in your life is a choice because we have free will. But what does it mean? Don't be too Jewish. And I always struggled with that until I decided, well, I'm going to be too Jewish. The world is in a place right now where we can't play small anymore. And my mother said I was born a dancer. I was born a performer. So from my perspective, I thought, how can I use all the skills, all the experience that I've had growing up? And how can I be the most positive, strong Jewish female woman in my own life. And if I become that person, then maybe just maybe I have given permission to other Jewish women. I love it. So we're definitely at a time in Jewish history where the women are kind of stepping into their power. And this is actually a prophecy, right? This is like the times before the Messiah, the women are going to be rising, the feminine, there's Kabbalistic teachings about this. I have a whole book about this. Maybe one time we'll have a Chavruta together. We'll study this. It's just, it's very powerful to be in the front seat right now of leading Jewish destiny. We're like on a train, we're speeding towards amazing times that we believe to come. And I think we need to really like lean into this power and lean into the DNA that Jewish women before us have set in place. And we don't need to be apologetic and we don't need to hide behind our husband. We could be our own bright, strong, powerful light. Anad and I, I think Hashem like separated us like in two different countries because we'd probably burn the city down if we were like both living in the same city in Toronto together. There needs to be people like us that are encouraging other women in every little part of the world to step it up. And that's really what we do, yeah. right? That's what my mission, that's your mission. We know that it was the women that led us through our first exile, Miriam leading the way. It was in the merit of the women that we were redeemed. And we know that the ultimate redemption that we're still waiting for will once again come through the women. So now is not the time to play small. So how do we do this without burning everyone around us, our poor husbands, okay, which are not so poor, by the way, they are loving being a part and watching and encouraging us powerful wives to step it up. Maybe not every man is so self-assured, and maybe it would be hard for some, but we happen to be very supported by our husbands that are like, you go girl. My husband, like one day I was like rocking it. And he like put on that song. This girl is on fire. <laughs> this girl is on fire. Like he is my biggest support. Yeah. So when we were talking about this conversation, one of the titles that I thought for this was from the boardroom to the bedroom, we are women hear us roar. So let's talk about that. Cause I saw a picture of you. You put it on Facebook, Instagram, on your all your beautiful, empowering social media. And it was a picture of you in high heels, walking down the steps of your house, holding a laundry basket. You had like laptop tucked under your arm and you're <laughs> off to the boardroom and you're still mothering and nurturing and baking your challahs and creating the environment in your Jewish home. How is it possible? How can we do it? And how can we empower other women to really not be apologetic, right? We could do it. We could wear all of those hats. What would yeah, you want yeah. to say to that? It takes a village to make anything happen. I've been blessed enough to be in a relationship, to be in a marriage with my husband who I've known since I was 15 years old. So he's known me since I was, you know, a teen and I was 
becoming, always becoming the woman that I am today. And I'm still becoming the woman I'm meant to be. And he's been there for every season of my soul that I've grown. Let's not forget about those downs because we've all been there. Right. He's seen my body transform four times over with having children. We all struggle with body image at some point, which can affect you personally. As a woman, it can affect the marriage. He's also seen me grow myself professionally and change careers and also be a business partner with him. So we are partners in life in many different areas, which also means we had to establish clear boundaries. And we also had to be our biggest cheerleaders. And we had to learn to be the salt in the challah just to have a little bit of rebuke, but to do it in a way that the person could hear it. Our relationship is unique in the sense that not all husband-wife relationships working together always work well, but because I think I know him better than he knows himself, and I'll say the same, he probably does know me better than I know me. It is a special relationship, but I will say this. It takes courage to grow up and show up and become the person you're meant to be. And it also takes courage for your spouse to give you the space and not be threatened by the power that you hold within you. Because he doesn't stand in my shadow, nor do I stand in his. We stand in each other's light. And I think that is, I hope, what we all should be striving for in our marriages and our relationships, and especially because we are Jewish. I'll say it again. We're supposed to be a light amongst the nations. This is the prototype that I think was started long ago with Adam and Eve, right? You know, when I started to learn and I started to grow a little bit more in my journey, I remember hearing this line as it related to Jewish wisdom with regards to a marriage and intimacy inside of a marriage, which was an Adam nu Chava, which is kind of a euphemism for, right. and they were together. It's like code, by the way. It's like whenever right. you see that word, right? right. And he knew her. That means, you know, and then it's like dot, dot, dot. And yeah. they conceived. <laughs> right. I want to not challenge that idea because I would never challenge God in that way, but I want to expand on it because I've been thinking a lot about this line. How does a man know a woman? Okay. And I know that that is just a euphemism and there's more to that, but he can't know her unless she knows her and gives him permission to know her. And I think that is the journey of a girl becoming a woman to becoming a wife, to becoming a mother. You are on a journey yourself as a Jewish woman. You have all this wisdom from our Torah about all these matriarchs and patriarchs and you, the soul is genderless. The soul is perfect. You, the soul is connected to God and you have all this wisdom, all this spiritual DNA coming through you. You have to know who you are. And in knowing who you are, you show somebody how to treat you and you tell them what you need. And then you don't get into this problem of playing games and not having boundaries. I mean, for me, boundaries are sexy. Boundary means I have power. Boundaries means no, you cannot enter. There's a reason why there's one door to enter my house and windows around, multiple windows. You can look, but no, only unless I invite you in, you cannot come in. And I think that the more I leaned into the wisdom of our Jewish heritage and the spiritual DNA of our matriarchs and patriarchs, then I was able to really step into my power. Wow. It takes a lot of bravery. And I think it also takes a very special husband that's not going to be afraid of what's on the other side of that power. Well, there's something that happens uh, what I felt. I mean, I'm only like 40 creeping to 41. But as you get into the next stage, there's almost this, like you don't care so much about (laughs) anything. And you kind of like, you get into your zone, you start growing up and it's a beautiful thing. It's beautiful to really 
check in with yourself. Like, I don't know, for decades, I was just checking in with everyone else. And now I'm taking my own pulse. I was in a Zumba class this morning and the teacher, she was like screaming at us, like, get moving. You know, she was like boot camp Zumba. And she said, smile. She said, ladies, you smile at everyone else in the world. You smile at your children. You smile at your spouse. You smile at everyone you meet in the streets. Smile for yourself. It's something that we don't think about. Like we should look in the mirror in the morning and just smile at ourselves. We mm -hmm. should embrace ourselves and love ourselves and hone in on the power that lies within. So going back for me, I don't know, probably a decade plus when I was not yet in my power, not yet feeling self secured, assured, not sure, like, who am I? What am I supposed to be doing? In our first position, my husband and I were working together, but we weren't yet in the right dynamic to like totally thrive. This is going back to Denver 11 years ago. And there was one point where I said to my mentor, should I dim my light so that my husband could shine more brightly? And she said to me, you never dim your light. Your husband will not shine brighter if you dim your light. You shine your light and hopefully your husband will step into his power and shine his light. I'm so grateful for that advice because I did notice that the more I do step into my power, the more my spouse steps into his power and the more my children step into their power, right? When you're really, really happy and it's overflowing, it's contagious. You feel the power. So let's talk a little Torah. There are so many examples of powerful women. You mentioned Eve, okay? She kind of made a little mistake, Adam and Eve, okay, in the Garden of Eden. Let's start from first woman, Sarah the matriarch, right? We know that God actually tells Abraham, like these are the words in the Torah, Shema Bekola, listen to her voice because she has a greater insight than you will ever have. She has something called Bina, which is intuition. And God gave an extra dose of intuition to women. Okay. So sometimes we don't trust our intuition, but God is telling us, trust it. You know, the answers, you know, what you need to do for your family, for your community, for the Jewish people, step into it. Okay. And he says, it. it's like in Genesis, like listen to her voice. And the commentaries say her wisdom is greater than yours, Abraham. He was the greatest man. So when we go through the Torah, we see again, and again, that there are these powerful women that know what they need to do. And even if it's not the popular thing, they just do it. As you said, taking care of business is that is that those are the words yeah. from the song, right? Get yeah. back taking care of business. Okay. Right. So let's think for a second who we could talk about in the Torah portion of the very controversial little story of Tamar and Yehuda. Very controversial. Okay. She sleeps with her father-in-law. Okay. Oh, right? And she has twins and it almost was a huge scandal. I mean, it was, it was a scandal, right? And I love how it's not whitewashed. It's there for us to learn from. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole story. Look it up in the Torah. It's a very interesting little part of the Torah that pops in in the middle of the story of Joseph. And what happens over there is when Judah is coming to put her on the stake and burn her on the stake because she was not faithful. She was pregnant and she's a widow. Like, how did this happen? Right? He says, burn her at the stake. And she comes forward and she says, she brings these symbols, these signs that Yehuda had given her, his staff, his signet ring, his shawl, and brings it forth. She says, the man who owns these items, that is whom I'm pregnant with his child. It's his baby. So this is the moment of truth for the Jewish people. Okay. 
For Judah, for sure, he could have said, I don't know what you're talking about and burned her at the stake and saved his reputation, but he didn't. He did the right thing. And his words are so good. They're almost as good as when God said, listen to her voice. His words are, Sadka me many. She is more righteous than me. She had the right intentions the whole time. She knew that the messianic lineage has to come from her and she did what it needed to take because I did the wrong thing. And he admits it. We see this again and again. And we just came out of Hanukkah, the story of Yehudit killing the Syrian Roman general, cutting off his head. When she did that, in that moment, what did she say? Please God help me. And she invokes, she remembers that there was a woman before who did a very similar act, Yael, who killed the general Sisra, also saved the day for the Jewish people. So we have this again and again, where everyone is saying, no, 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 don't do it. Don't do it. It's dangerous. It's not good, right? All the men are naysayers, not all the men, but sometimes <laughs> there's like a negativity, like it's too scary. We're not sure what's the outcome going to be, right? We all know what it's like to be in that mindset of, I don't know, fear. And the women, it's not that they're not afraid. It's that they lean on their courage and they do what needs to be done. I right? love that you're sharing all these different stories of our matriarchs and the Jewish women before us that showed what we would consider maybe as male attributes. When we say these words like power, courage, assertive, bold, and we're in this time where people are talking about gender roles and the masculine and the feminine, you know, this is the time we're in. And I mean, Jews don't really shy away from this stuff. We've been talking about it all along. We've been talking about these attributes with respect to women and with respect to men. And I think sometimes it can be confusing for anyone. But for us as Jewish women, when we look at our families, especially those of us that didn't grow up in more traditional or observant homes, maybe in more secular homes, that our reference to Jewish women could be Topol's wife from Fiddler on the Roof, right? Or the Chabad Rebbitzin. I mean, she only looks one way if she has all this knowledge and she possesses all this spiritual DNA. She may only look this one way. And whether we like it or not, we do judge first on the exterior, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, you're only as beautiful as skin deep, which I'm also all for, you know, make yourself aesthetically beautiful on the outside, but make sure you're spending 10 times more work on the inside. But the 10 times more work on the inside is also leaning into these attributes and these values that maybe today are considered masculine values or male attributes back to this title or this idea of being in the boardroom. I mean, I remember a long time ago that one of my mentors was a very strong Jewish female executive. And she said to me, Anat, make sure that you are in a room with the wisest. Make sure you are in a room with the elders. Make sure you are the dumbest person in the room is what she was trying to tell me. And I love that. I love that I put myself in a position where I am the dumbest person in the room. Because especially as I'm creeping to 40, there are people that are looking at me that are coming up the pipelines as someone who has knowledge and someone who has power. But I try to put myself in situations where I am still seeking wisdom. I've always been a seeker, but the seeking of wisdom means you've got to go back to the sources. And being a Jewish woman means you need to also have context for what you're doing. Tamar, Yael, Yehudit, they all had context to what they were doing. It wasn't an impulsive decision. Sarah didn't make an impulsive decision to say, 
that Ishmael and Hagar were no longer the right influence. Like she was very purposeful in what she did. And yes, maybe asking for forgiveness later and just doing what you need to do is a Jewish thing. I'm, I'm not sure. But I will say that strong men, and I've noticed this in my life, whether it's been in meetings with male executives or sitting in a room with my husband where I took control of the meeting, strong men who have really got comfortable with what it means to be a man in the most positive ways that we can relate to this are not threatened by a strong woman. In fact, it helps them to re-internalize what it means to be a man because he has to live up to the expectations of what it means to stand next to us. Which is a beautiful way of looking at a relationship, whether it's in a work dynamic or in the marriage dynamic as well. So I love that you gave those references, because I think in the modern day time, we the Jewish women, we don't all look the same way. We don't all act the same way. But I think our references and our sources for our strength and our assertiveness and our power all come from the same source. So amazing. And there are so many more examples, right? I mean, Esther, Queen Esther, like stepping into that role. She didn't want to, right? Yeah. But she needed to. And she wasn't not afraid. Commentary say she dressed herself in her godliness, in her strength. Like she girdled herself in strength and closeness to Hashem. And that's how she walked into King Ahasuerus's court to save the day for the Jewish people. One other one that just came to mind is the very interesting woman, Devorah who was a prophetess. And this is so interesting. She was judging and advising the Jewish people. She would sit under the palm tree and people would come to her and she was the spiritual leader for that time. And men and women, and that's why she actually did it outdoors because she was so powerful that she wanted to make sure that it was a safe space, that there wouldn't be anything happening between a man and herself. So she sat under the palm tree outdoors. Everyone could see. She wasn't seeing anyone one-on-one -on -one in seclusion because she had so much power. She knew it. She knew her power and she stepped up for the Jewish people at that time. So whoever is saying that Jewish women are barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen, <laughs> I mean, we are. We have, thank <laughs> God. Yeah, thank God. But we're so much more than that. We are everything we want to be. There is nothing that holds us back. In fact, we have to be careful because when we meet someone, we say, oh, so what do you do? Like we're meeting a mom. Like, what do you do? Do you work? Like, uh, yeah. Like that's a kind of an oxymoron. Like a mom right. works from morning to night. And then right. even at night, she's getting up and feeding kids and attending to everyone's needs and, and nursing kids that are ill and just it doesn't end. And we have this heart that has the capacity to grow so huge. I want to say that you just brought it up, this beautiful idea that like women, their strengths for some women, and thank God we live when the age we're living in now, because it wasn't always a possibility to work outside of the home. Can't deny that there, there have been some hiccups along the way and some opportunities that the shackles had to be broken in society to allow women to be in the workplace and what that means because there have been times even in my own personal life where I could say I felt more powerful inside of the home and that's where I needed to be and then there are times where I felt I no longer serve <laughs> my family well if I stay in the home I need to be able to express myself and to be able to give energy to space outside of this home which will allow me to be a better mother and wife and I will say also there is this dynamic 
strong women. And I I just want to touch on this very quickly. When you think about a strong woman, everyone has a different visualization of what that means. But something that we also have to touch upon, and it would, we would be remiss not to, to mention it, is that the physicality of what it means to be a strong woman and how she projects herself in the world visually, in some cases, in how she dresses, modesty has become a big topic of conversation, whether you're Jewish or not. Do you have power when you show yourself in a certain way or do you not? And what I will say is that for myself, and the this is only speaking for myself. The more that I leaned into what it meant to be a Jewish woman, the more power I felt inside of me, the more sensual I felt in how I dressed, the more I felt I was in charge of how I was going to show up in the world, that I didn't feel shackles or chains on me just because I am now a strong Jewish woman woman that I have this knowledge, I can still be beautiful and sexy and sensual and irresistible and all these things. But because of my power, I know how to direct it. And the most important person that I choose to direct it to is my husband. Now he gets to see me, lucky for him, in many different rooms, in the boardroom, in the bedroom, in the kitchen. (laughs) Many different places. And I think we as women are very versatile. We wear different hats, but we also show up as a different version of ourselves depending on where we are and what room we're stepping into. And I think that there's so much knowledge and wisdom, not only as it relates to who you can be in the boardroom, but also who you can become and what best version of yourself you can become in the bedroom. And I think that. that a lot of us Jewish women need to tap into that a little bit more. I think it could change some marriages. Definitely. I love how you're embracing all the layers, all the layers. Like is nothing is bad, right? Like bring it on, like bring it on. We can make this work. I think this actually could change a lot of marriages. I think we do need to up our game on all levels, right? And we have to kind of put what's most important first, which is family and marriages and ourself, right? Maybe that's even what has to come first, first, first and foremost, where we give anyone else. And, and then all the other circles, it's like these concentric circles. And when the the core is really, really strong, things are going to reverberate. And, you know, just like in talking about Shalom Bayad and building a, a healthy, strong marriage, You've never heard kids sitting in therapy saying, you know, my parents, they love each other so much. I just, I can't take it. You've never heard that before, (laughs) but you'll hear the opposite. You'll hear men saying, you know, my wife spends so much time on the children. She has no time for me or she spends so much time on work. She has no time for me. So kind of seeing the concentric circles of your life and embracing it and just putting so much power in that it goes so, so far. Our friend, Adrian Gold who lives in Toronto, she says this all the time. I'll I'll quote her. She says, she feels more beautiful at 60 than she felt at 30. And at 30, she was, you know, rocking it. And and she was, she had a TV show and she was not dressing modestly. And now that she's a little bit more centered, 
she feels so beautiful because the beauty is coming from within. That's the most powerful beauty. That is the power. When you feel it inside, you see it on the outside, right? And it should never be the opposite, right? It should never be like you. what you see is on the outside looks really nice, but in the inside, it's all rotten. You know that beautiful um, idea of the, the Aaron, the ark that was in the temple? It was a wooden ark but it was covered with gold on the inside and on the outside to teach us that what's outside and what's inside, it has to match, right. it has to fit. So just to close this conversation, cause I think we could go on and on and this was a lot of fun, but I think we need to work on making sure that our inside is so strong that it goes to the outside and that the most important relationships are thriving so that we could go from the bedroom to the boardroom without intimidating our spouses, right? They're feeling secure. We're feeling secure. It, this could work. This is a great model for, for women to step into. I will say this, is that just going back to that little joke you made about the therapy session, my daughter will say this to you. And it's funny, not funny, but sometimes I'll say to her, who do I love the most? And she'll say, Ima, you love you the most. Then you love Abba. Then you love us. And I think she understands something that I've been working really hard on for the last few years, maybe the last decade, which is I have to love me first. I have to put myself first. And the messaging of being selfless for everyone else is no longer working for me as a modern day Jewish woman, as a powerful Jewish woman. I can't have power if I'm always giving it away. And so with that being said, one of my favorite quotes, and I have no clue who said it, but it just sticks with me all the time which is we are all growing, we're all developing, but you are allowed to be both a masterpiece and a work in progress at the same time. I love it. Wow. We'll end with that. That was incredible. So great to be with you, Anat. If our listeners want to hear more and read some of your blogs, where is the best place to find you? So on uh, Instagram, I am Hala.mom and you can find me on Facebook and at Ishai. Um, if you just look me up on Times of Israel, I'm there as well. And you can find me on TikTok, making fun of myself and dancing with Hala <laughs> at Hala Mom. <laughs> It's amazing. You are a great dancer and just keep shining your light in the world. I feel like we're colleagues from afar, just working for the same boss in heaven and for the Jewish people. So it's such an honor to have you on the Jewish people team. Yeah, it's <laughs> such a pleasure. You constantly inspire me, Eve. And I'm just hoping that your viewers and your listeners will get reignited by all the wisdom that you have to share and all the amazing, amazing, amazing podcasts to come. Thank you. Amen. We'll see you all soon. Have a great week. Take care. Thank you for being a part of our community. There is so much more coming your way. Stay tuned and have a great inspired day.